Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This third Sunday of Advent takes its name Gaudete Sunday from those just quoted lines from the entrance antiphon that we also hear in today's second reading. Gaudete in Domino. Iterum dico Gaudete. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. But what strikes me personally about this is that Gaudete is a command, a plural imperative. We could just say Gaudiamus, which means let us rejoice, but instead we're commanded rejoice in the Lord. Is that possible? Can we look at the world and can we look at our own lives and simply respond to a command, rejoice? Well, absolutely. See, Advent is a penitential season. That's why we wear purple. To prepare for the great feast of Christmas, we're called to repent, to confess our sins, to prepare to celebrate the birth of Christ on Christmas Day. Just as during Lent, we're told to repent, to pray, to fast and give alms, to prepare for Easter. But today, today, we are reminded, we are commanded to rejoice And so the vestments we wear today are rose, the color of joy. But there's much more to this command to rejoice. Look at today's gospel. John the Baptist has just finished, well, excoriating his listeners, blistering the ears of the crowd who came to hear him. You brood of vipers, he says, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And then speaking of the coming of the Messiah, John says that the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Oh yeah, that would make me want to rejoice, being thrown into the fire, an unquenchable fire. But here's the question. Everyone who went out to hear John speak knew what the message was that he was preaching. And if it was such a bummer, if it made people feel so bad, then why did they go out to hear him? Doesn't today's gospel conclude that John preached good news to the people? Part of that good news is when the people asked, what are we supposed to do? John replied with very practical advice taking the people where they were, not giving them lofty, difficult goals, but practical steps that worked with each person's life and according to their role and state in life. Do not falsely accuse anyone. Be satisfied with your wages, is what he said to the soldiers. And the message to us of the good news of Christ would be very much the same, fitted to our situation in life. You see... Telling them they were sinners was not bad news. Telling them they were sinners was not bad news. It wasn't news at all. They knew they were sinners, just as all of us know that as well. And they and we are called to repentance, and we can be forgiven. That's the good news. They can be forgiven, for the chosen one had already come, the Savior the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was in their midst and salvation was at hand. That was good news. 
That was really good news. But there's more than that, too. For the second reading says, the Lord is near. We are given the good news that it is Christ who has drawn near to us. What can be more important of speaking of and preparing for Christmas during this Advent season than coming to realize that although we know we are sinners, although we fail, although we are heavenly burdened by the trials of our present age, it is the Lord who has drawn close to us. It is Christ who is here. Did he not come into a sinful world? To a poor and oppressed people, to a lonely, lowly family from an insignificant town, to be born in a place where animals were kept, laid in a feeding trough? And wasn't he pursued as well by a murderous king and rejected by his people and nailed to a cross? The babe in the manger and the infant in the virgin's arms, who was both helpless and at the same time mighty God and Prince of Peace, is forever with us, especially when we suffer. We can be commanded to rejoice, for joy is a gift that is given to us by God. For now, the long reign of sin and death are over, and now salvation is ours, for the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world is in our midst. Now even in our suffering has meaning, Now we do not have to look far and wide for joy in material things and in false pleasures, in power, in riches, in fame, in beauty, or in physical dynamism or strength. Now we can come to realize that the greatest joy is knowing that we are right with God. I can't help today but think of my mother's final few days of her own life. The day before he left for Africa, Father Chumo stopped to see her and to give her the anointing of the sick. She was so weak and ill, she could not sit up in bed or really even raise her head. And he gave her that holy anointing, the last rites, perhaps one or two days before she died. But when he was about to leave, she sprang out of bed and threw her arms around him and embraced him with joy. Because the greatest joy is knowing that we are right with God. And that joy is not a mere emotion or a denial of reality. Christian joy, in fact, is not an emotion at all, but it's a calm assurance that Christ is with us. He is here in our times of exhilaration, of soaring emotion, of inexplicable happiness. But he's also here when times are tough and when their struggle seems too great to bear. For we know that only Christ can bring hope out of despair and life from death and true and lasting joy. In Christ, you see, God meets us on our level. In Christ, he has become one of us. And he refuses to leave us. Refuses. Nothing can break his relationship with his people. Nothing can make him stop loving us. Neither the forces of nature or war or economic collapse or evil deeds done by evil men. Nothing, nothing 
we can rejoice always, precisely because God's closeness to us in Christ Jesus is unbreakable. He is always with us. He didn't come as a helpless babe to give us a nice story, a touching tale to relate to in the darkest time of the year. He is our light and our joy, our peace, our Savior and our Lord, and our comfort. He's the tears of God weeping with us when we struggle, for he shared and continues to share all of our sorrows and all of our joys. It's really wonderful that we celebrate this season in the darkest part of the year. For that first Christmas was the darkest part of human history, but the brilliant light of God made man came to dispel the powers of darkness and of sin and death. Gaudete, rejoice. Again I say rejoice. We can be commanded to rejoice because Christ is here. Emmanuel, God is with us and he will never, ever leave us. Rejoice. Again I say, rejoice. Rejoice.